All right. Well, if you would turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 7, I will just say about the financial report, I'm not going to print more out. So if you want to have one on Thursday night, either leave it here or bring it back with you. <laughs> okay? I'm too stingy to use up more paper. <laughs> uh, all right. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and I'm going to look at a couple verses here in the book of Ecclesiastes. You might think it's a strange place to start when we're talking about giving. But <coughs> Ecclesiastes 7, 12 says... For wisdom is a defense, and money is a defense. But the excellency of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. And then look at chapter 10 and verse 19. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry. But money answereth all things. So the title of the message tonight is, Honoring the Lord with my money. Honoring the Lord with my money. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have uh, to open your word. We thank you that it speaks to uh, all the issues of life and even to this area of money. And we pray that you give us wisdom and understanding. Uh, Help us to see what the scriptures say uh, concerning this subject. And I pray that you give us wisdom and obedience as your people uh, in this area uh, of life, uh, which is so vitally important. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, people often get nervous when you start talking about money. Uh, they maybe accuse you of just, you know, being a preacher, just looking for money. Uh, I can assure you I'm not looking for money. Um, but the Scriptures has a lot to say about money. I mean a lot. Many of the parables that Jesus told had to do with money. The talents, pounds, um, you know, the, the giving of goods, all that has to do with, with your wealth. And so, uh, in Ecclesiastes, as we think about a church, of course, you know, we believe that, that the church is operated by the tithes and offerings of God's people. But as I think about a couple of things that I want to consider to start tonight in Ecclesiastes here, the book of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 7, verse 12, it says, money is a defense speaks of a, protect, a protection or a shade. Uh, the Lord is thy shade. You know, again, the idea of defense. However, that verse all says, it says that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Now, so money can be a protection, but it's wisdom really that makes money effective. Not money itself. Money is all moral. I mean, it really can't do anything by itself. It's sort of like, uh, you know, people say guns are bad. Well, what can a gun do by itself? Nothing. It has to, it's just a tool. And, you know, I can do bad things and good things with my hammer. I mean, we have recorded in the Bible for us where a woman took a hammer and a nail and drove it through the temple of a captain, Sisera. 
I mean, you can do bad things with a hammer, but a hammer can't do anything by itself. And money can't do anything by itself. You see, it's wisdom that gives life to money or makes it effective. It's not good or evil. It is without effect. But wisdom makes money a defense. It makes it a protection. It makes it a useful tool that can greatly prosper one's life or destroy it. Lots of people have been destroyed by money. First Timothy 6.10 says, But they that... For the love of money is the root of all evil, which is which was some covered after from error to faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. So, so money, you know, is is really nothing by itself. It can't do anything. But it's, it's wisdom. Verse nineteen of chapter ten then says that. A feast is made for laughter, and wine maketh merry, but money answereth all things. In other words, it bears witness to. That's kind of the idea. And you think about this. How you and I use our money reveals much about us. It reveals all about us, what you spend your money on. You know, how, you, how a person uses money can reveal whether they're wicked or righteous, selfish or unselfish. You know, it can reveal a careful, wise steward or a waster of what God has given you. You know, wasteful spending can, can will enslave you. Proverbs 18.9 says, He also is slothful in his work, his brother to him that is a great waster. And the slothful or the sluggard in the Bible is regarded as someone who's always in want. You know, the sluggard... He, he desireth and hath not. You know, he always wants. Sluggers always, people who are lazy always want things. They're always in want. And they never are satisfied. Because they won't lift their hands to do it. And, and a, a waster is considered in the same category. You know, there used to be an old saying, waste not, want not. Or the old timers used to say this, use it up, wear it out, make it do, or do without. <clears throat> you know, Proverbs 22.7, and this, is, this is, seems to be the philosophy of many today. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And we live in a society that has the philosophy of borrow, 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 borrow. And I, you know, I'm not of the philosophy that all debt is wrong. But much of what we see going on in our world today as far as debt is just enslaving people. People enslave themselves with credit card debt. But anyway, so, so money answereth all things. It's, so it bears witness. It can, it, it can reveal who we really are. And God gives us, God gives us money for two reasons. Now, I said God gives us, and I meant that. God gives us money for two reasons. You know, it, 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 when, the, when the children of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land, Moses reminded Israel, look, it's God that gives the power to get wealth. It's God that gives you power to get wealth. And, 
And there's nothing wrong with getting wealth. It's what you do with it. Again, it's just a tool. So God gives us money for two reasons. And I'm going to look at a couple of verses here. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And verse 28. Ephesians 4:28. He This is a kind of a list of... He's instructing the church at Ephesus, not, don't be like the Gentiles who have their walk in the vanity of their minds. So they're, so they're living for things that, that are of no value, that do not last, and they'll have their understanding darkened. But then he goes on and he says to put off some th- old, the things concerning the old man, put on the new. <coughs> verse 22 tells us. And then in verse 28 he says this, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor Working with his hands, the thing which is good. You know, it's good to work. Labor is good. Um, And then it says that he may have to give to him that need it. So so we have, we we have money. we, We have, you know, and that, you know, when I'm saying money, I'm talking about possessions. Because wealth is more than, can be more than just money. You know, the actual money you have in your hand. It can be, it can be properties, you know, all that's, all that's kind of wealth. But anyway, but we have these things for two reasons. To live. Do you realize you need money to live? You know, the reason that lots of people aren't working is because they've been given money to live and don't have to work for it by our government. You know, they're they're getting they're getting that money from those of us who are working. You know, it's it's really stealing. We call it what it is, it's stealing. Our government is stealing from us who work and giving it to those who do not want to work. But anyway, we'll get on to that tonight. So to have, so we have money to, to live and we have money to give. Notice again it says that he may have to give to him that needeth. Now, go to, go to Proverbs chapter 11. And I want to see some principles here. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, and it says, There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat. That word meat means fit or proper, but it tendeth to poverty. So you have one that scatters, and yet it increases, and you have one that keeps more, then is right, and it tends to poverty. And I'll illustrate this for you. Then it says, the liberal soul shall be made fat. Now, we're not talking about politically liberal. This is talking about people who give, who are not stingy. They, they give to those who have need. That's the idea here, liberal. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. So, so the idea here is a person who uses money wisely 
by giving and investing increases. Now, he uses the example of, you might say, of a farmer here that scatters and yet increases. And I understand this because I'm a farmer. Was. Still have a lot of farmer in me. But anyway, you know, in, in, the, in the fall of year, we would plant wheat. Winter wheat, they call it. And we always planted three bushel to the acre. Three bushel to the acre. Because we wanted a good harvest. In other words, a good return on our investment we put in the ground. Now, somebody might have thought this well. Well, you know, I could save myself. I could sell a little extra of what I have and not save. You know, we used to keep a certain amount of the harvest. You'll say, okay, so 2021 harvest, we'd have kept a certain amount of our wheat harvest back to clean for seed for 2022. Now, Dad could have said, you know, let's just not keeps as much back, we'll plant a little bit less and hope to have the same amount of harvest. But, see, there's a, there's a point where if you, keep, if you don't sow enough, the yield is poor. If you'd planted a bushel to the acre, oh, you'd had wheat, but it had been thin. And, you know, back in those days, now, nowadays they're, they're putting nitrogen and all kinds of stuff on wheat to make it yield more. Back in those days, if you yielded 55 bushel of the acre, you were doing good. So we planted three bushel of the acre, and we'd get 55 bushels to the acre. Now, if you withhold more than is meat, if you planted a bushel of the acre, you might get 25 bushels to the acre and yield. So, was it better to sacrifice a few more bushels planting and get 55 bushel the acre or be stingy in your planting and get 25 bushel the acre? It's kind of a no-brainer. You know, the same thing, and this is true with everything you plant. You know, there's a, you, know you, you can plant too much. You can be wasteful. You have to be wise. You know, we, when we planted corn, the, the, and I'm not sure I haven't kept up with corn, and, of course, I really, you know, haven't come up with, the, with any of that stuff. But, but, but when I was still farming, we would plant between 30 and 33,000 plants per acre of corn for a maximum yield. Now, don't ask me how many plants, how many kernels of corn we got per acre. I just know we got bushels. You know, you might get 225 bushels of corn per acre. That's a lot more than 30,000 plants per acre. So, so you want to, you scatter it, so there is that scattereth, and yet it increases. So the idea here is, like a farmer, he's going, sowing the right amount, and to get a proper yield. This is, this is what we call, and you know, if you withhold too much, you're going to lose, there's going to be a loss of gain. And, and of course, this is the, the law of sowing and reaping. So if you are selfish and will not give God his honor in your wealth, he'll curse you for it. You're sort of like the foolish farmer in Luke chapter 12. You know, he 
had this abundant harvest, and he said, you know, I'm going to build greater barns and store all my goods, and I'm going to eat, sit back and eat, drink, and be merry. See, all his wealth was about himself. He gave not honor to God. And God said, thou fool. This night thy soul should be required. He credited himself for his abundance. And so as God's people, God gives us money to use, again, for his glory. Uh, as we think about the church the, and our responsibility as members of the church, you know, the, we, the Bible teaches that we are to tithe to the church. Uh, this is a biblical principle. Of course, it's, it was you know, established clear back in Genesis Chapter 14 and verse 20. Genesis 14, verse 20. And uh, it says, And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all that he had. So Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, who was a priest of the Most High God. So this was, you know, a lot of people say, well, tithing is of the law. No, it precedes the law. It's been a principle from the beginning, from the beginning, of giving God 10%. In fact, the Bible says, the tithe is mine. Now, God says it's like a debt you owe. It's like a bill. Just pay it. It's his. And Jesus reiterated this principle in Luke, 4, or Luke 11, 42, when he said, But woe unto you, Pharisees! For you tithe, mint, and rue, and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. In other words, you ought to do these. You ought to tithe. Yes, that is right, but you shouldn't leave the other undone. So, these are the principles. You know, the, the tithe is the means of supporting the God-established organism, which is the church, uh, which provides for the spiritual needs of God's people in the New Testament church. And, and we see these, again, taught in other places in the Bible. So, for example, Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Let's start at verse 7. It says, Even from the days of your fathers ye are gone away from mine ordinances. Have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, Wherein shall we return? And so God asked the question, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. So, so they are withholding more than is meat. They're not giving God what is his. And, and he says, you are cursed with this curse, you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse, maybe meet in mine house, and prove me now therewith, herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. <coughs> Excuse me. So, and of course, in the Old Testament scriptures, uh, the tithe was the means of support for the um, 
Levites, or the, the priesthood, in fact, go to Numbers chapter 18. Numbers chapter 18. And, you know, and this principle is, of course, taught in the New Testament as well. And we'll, we'll look at that. Numbers 18 and verse 20 to 28. Numbers 18 says, The Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in the land. So, so could you imagine being of the tribe of Levi? So you're of the tribe of Levi, and, and God's going to give every tribe in the, of Israel a portion of land. But he says to the sons of Levi, you won't have any. You're not going to have a portion of land. Uh, you're going to have places to live within the inheritance of others. And, 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 he, and then he says this, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance. So, so this is what the purpose of the tithe was under the, in the, under the law. For their service, which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, neither must the children of Israel henceforth come nigh the tabernacle of the congregation, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. They shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel they have no inheritance. But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as an off- heave offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore I have said unto them, Among the children of Israel they have no inheritance. And the Lord spake unto Moses, say, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say, ye, say unto them, When you take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then shall you offer up an heave offering of it for the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. And this is your heave offering, shall be reckoned unto you as, as though it were the corn of the threshing floor, and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus ye also shall offer an heave offering unto the Lord of all your tithes, which ye receive of the children of Israel, and ye shall give thereof the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the priest. So the children of Israel were to give their tithes, and it was to be given to the Levites, because they didn't have an inheritance. They didn't have a means. They weren't, they weren't to live off the land. They were to live off of the people they served in the tabernacle, by the tabernacle worship. And, of course, they were to tithe off of what the people gave them. You know, preachers are supposed to tithe, too, just like everybody else, and give offerings just like everybody else. But, so this, was the, this is what the Lord instructed under the law. Now you go to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and the Apostle Paul, when writing to the church of Corinth, uses the Old Testament as an example of a New Testament principle, New Testament teaching. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 1, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ, O Lord, are not ye my work in the Lord? And, of course, he's here defending his apostleship, which they question. If I be not an apostle unto you, unto others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of mine apostleship are ye in, in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles, and as the brethren of the Lord, and Cephas? Or I only, and Barnabas, have we not? We power to forbear working. Now, as he's saying here, to, look, isn't it, isn't it scriptural that I don't have 
to work a regular job because as a preacher of the gospel. And, and of course he goes on, who goeth a warfare any time of his own charges, who planteth a vineyard, eateth not of the fruit thereof, who feedeth the flock, eateth not of the milk of the flock. You know, if you're a farmer, what do you eat off of? The things you grow, your own business. I mean, if you work at the city of Raleigh, what do you eat off of? What you earn at the city of Raleigh. So you, so you live off your own labors. And so he's gonna go, what he's going to go on and say here is, look, I should live off. It's, it's my right as a minister of the gospel to live off of my labors as a minister of the gospel. And, of course, those are supplied by those who minister to. Uh, verse, verse 8, Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not mother the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn, Doth God take care for oxen, or saith he it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. So, you know, the Levites lived off of the tithes and offerings. People, I mean, when, when, when somebody brought in an offering, a certain portion of that offering went to the Levites for food. And, and that was, that was their, their tithe they received of the people. And we know from the Old Testament scriptures when the children of Israel would go away from the Lord, one of the things, first things they'd quit doing was quit bringing their tithes and offerings to the tabernacle or to the temple. And then the priests would have to leave their service and go out into the fields and earn their living, feed their families. And this always brought great hardship, of course, on the, on the nation. Uh, and, and it brought uh, spiritual declension, uh, decline. So, so these, are the, these are the principles. So we're to bring our tithes and our offerings into the, the church. 1 Corinthians 16 and verses 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now the, concerning the collection for the saints, as I had given order to the churches of Galatians, even so do ye... Upon the first day of the week, that every one of you lay by him in the store, as God hath prospered him, there be no gatherings when I come. And so, you know, there's, there's to be this, the giving, we're to give of our substance, use our money to give, to give tithes and offerings to the church. Uh, this, is, this is God's established order providing for a New Testament church. Uh, we are, so, so the tithe. Uh, we give offerings and sacrificial gifts, uh, gifts above tithe as God prospers. And, and really, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about these, the, the, the being a, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in particular, he's talking about the collection for the saints at Jerusalem and he, and he says in verse 8, I speak not by commandment, by occasion of the forwardness of others, to prove the sincerity of your love. So, 
the reality is, okay, if you just tithe, you're not really giving anything. The tithe is mine, God says. It's like the IRS says 15% of your income is mine. Now, you can gripe and complain all you want. You know, which I've done plenty of griping and complaining about, what, you know, about all that. But I, you know, begrudgingly say, when I put the, the, the check in the mail every quarter, well, I'm just thankful I have the money to pay it. Um, but that's a, that's a debt you owe. We're to pay our taxes. It is a debt we owe. Tithing is a debt we owe to God. You know, we use faith promise giving for missions. That's a gift above our tithe. And it proves the sincerity of our love. You know, I always said that if the IRS, if we can give the IRS 15%, we ought to be able to at least give 15% to the work of the Lord. In fact, in Malachi, he isn't just talking about tithes. He says, bring your tithes and your offerings. You know, the children of Israel weren't just commanded to give tithes. They were also to give offerings. And he said, if you bring your tithes and your offerings, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You see, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a part of this, a real part of this, a major part of this, it is a act of faith when you give more than a tenth you're acting in faith and so your gifts above our tithe uh, we're to give cheerfully and we're to grow in the grace giving notice again at first or second Corinthians 8 verses 6 and 7 says, inasmuch as we died Titus, as he began, so he would also finishing you this same grace also, that as ye bound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence and your love to us, see you abound in this grace also. Now, again, <coughs> you know, the Corinthian church was a mixed group of people. There were some very poor people and there were some quite wealthy people. It was a wealthy city, although it was made up of a lot of servants. And so there were servants, of course, in the church that didn't have much. But there were people in the church that had wealth. And so Paul's challenge is, look, but you know, even if you don't have wealth, you can still give a percentage. And I believe this. God counts what you keep, not what you give. In other words, if you make more, why shouldn't you give more? It's a percentage. It's a percentage thing. Um, and so this is the, this is a gift, and 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 God uses this. This 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 brings glory and honor to the Lord. Drop over to chapter nine of Second Corinthians, and I want to read verses uh, six through eleven. Says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. Just like the farmer, okay? If you cut back on the number of seeds you plant, you're going to have a poor yield. And you'll not get your maximum 
return for your investment. You know, every farmer is out to make the most, get the greatest yield he can. And we should, as God's people, you know, even in our investing, you know, we, 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 and, 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 you know, I'm not just talking about investing in the Lord's work, but even we should invest our own money, you know, for retirement, for, 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 uh, to, to build, well, so that we can give more. There's nothing wrong with that. We, we need to be wise stewards of what God has given us. So, but we should be, again, uh, careful in that and not so sparingly. Uh, every man, verse 7, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the four, his righteousness remaineth forever. Notice again, he, that is God, hath dispersed. Remember what I said, what, he told, what Moses told the children of Israel? It is God that giveth the power to get wealth. He hath dispersed abroad. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, increase the fruits of your righteousness, being rich in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. So, let me illustrate that by saying this, okay? You bring your tithes, go to the work of the church. You bring your offerings that goes to missions. That's over and above your tithe. And this is what he's talking about here in chapter 9. It causes thanksgiving to God. It supplieth the want of the saints. And abundant also by many thanksgivings to God. So, so, you know, our faith promise last year was 32,000. Yeah, we support in seven missionaries. I think, wait a minute, no, more than that now. Eight? Um, we've added two. We'll drop one, but we add two. I think that's eight. Anyway, okay, so, so we're, we're causing thanksgiving unto God in other places. You know, we have, we are sending... We are fellowshipping with other churches together to send a missionary to Russia. There's a church there. So we have helped, we've helped a, a missionary in Russia take the gospel to Russia. Uh, we also have a missionary in Greenland. Uh, you know, we have you know, one in Taiwan, one in Portugal. Uh, we have a uh, church planter in New England and in, in Maine, and they have started a church in uh, Nevada. We also supported a missionary to Mexico, the bishops, for I don't know how many years. I think we started early on, uh, pretty quickly here. We took them on for support, and 
as you think about this, uh, you think about the fact that we as a church and you as individuals through your giving have helped, have provided the means to start two churches in Mexico. Trinity Baptist Church and Truth Baptist Church. And as of April of 2020, Trinity Baptist Church supports 13 missionaries. Truth Baptist Church supports six missionaries. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, this has been probably, it's been quite a few years ago, when Brother Bishop was here while he was still healthy and active in Mexico, showed his video presentation. And in that video presentation was, you know, I'm trying to remember the, the name of the guy, <clears throat> one of the men he, that they trained to pastor there in uh, Edgar. Edgar. Yeah, it was Edgar, I believe. Anyway, one of the men they had trained to pastor one of these churches. And what he said was he was thanking the American churches for sending Brother Bishop to bring him the gospel so that he, in turn, could take the gospel to his own people. You see, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he says this in verse 11, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of the service not only supplies the one of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Do you ever think about when we get to heaven, there will be people there that we've never met who will know? Because we're going to know all things when we get to heaven. But they will know. It will be revealed to them that you at Lighthouse Baptist Church gave money, supplied the need for Brother Bishop, supplied the need for Brother Forney to go to the Arctic, supplied the need for Brother Shaw to go to Greenland, Pratt to Taiwan, Brother Alexander to Florida. Uh, <clears throat> did I say Pratt to Taiwan? Pratt to India, Francis to Taiwan, uh, and so on. You see, all these is fruit that abounds to our account, which will cause thanksgiving unto God by others as a result of your faithfulness and love for the Lord and giving offerings unto him. In fact, look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. This is God's plan as far as giving for the people of God in the New Testament church. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica is set once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. You know, one of the things that Brother Forney brought out that I never really thought about before than one time he was here years ago. 
He asks the question, who needs who? You know, many people look at missionaries as they need money. They need money. There are people going around that they, they need money. You know, they're always asking for money. But for you and I as a church of Lighthouse Baptist Church, we need a missionary to obey God's command to go all into all the world and preach the gospel. So who needs who? You see, we need the missionary so that we can fulfill the command that God has given us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. And it says both. That means all at the same time. And really, it's your hands. Think about it this way. It's your hands that are working in Taiwan, in Greenland. Now, because it's your hands that's supplying the need that provides the support to keep the missionary laboring on that field. Money really is. It's time. It's labor. That's what it amounts to. So, you know, we can, God wants us to use what he gives to us for his glory. To invest it. To invest it in spiritual things, and we ought to invest it for our own benefit as well. You know, with a, consider the ant thou sluggard. You know, some people have this like, well, I'll just give everything I have, you know. And I remember uh, I was in a Bible conference years ago, and, and this, he said one of the pastors talked about how this one preacher, he bragged about it. He always put everything he had in the offering the first time it came around, you know, at these Bible conferences. And, and the God, Lord always supplied my need. And he said, yeah, it was out of my back pocket. <laughs> That's not wise stewardship. No, there is that withholdeth more than his meat. And there is that scattereth more than is meat. See, God wants us to be wise stewards of what we have. And so, yes, he gives us money. And money is a defense. But it's wisdom that gives us the ability to use that money as a defense. Money answers It bears witness to who we really are. And so, we need to be wise stewards of what God has given us. Um, You know, we live in a nation that is prosperous. Um, You know, we are are losing that. But but as a a role, uh, we Americans are prosperous people. And uh, God desires that we use what he has given us for his glory. And, and so uh, we ought to honor the Lord with our money, with the things that we have.